This is the Bro Storm Sports Podcast. On this week's episode, we talk some soccer. World Cup's going on right now. We do old faces, new places for college football and the MLB. And as always, best bets. Stay with us throughout. It's going to be a good one. It's Bro Storm Sports with your hosts, Sasha and Scott Bushka. He's a sports talk show host named Sasha, named after Sasha Radunovich. And Scott's a wisdom-seeking, educated, networking guy who works in the sports industry. Featuring intern P, the basement beer pong world champion. So put on your bro coat. It's time for a bro storm. Welcome into Bro Storm Sports. It is Monday, December 5th. We just got done seeing Tom Brady pull another rabbit out of his hat. And the Buccaneers got a 17-16 win over the New Orleans Saints. Uh... But we're going to get into some global football here today, here in a moment. We have a guest on. But before that, as always, I'm joined by my brother, Scott Bushka, and intern P. I'm your host, Sasha Bushka. How are we doing tonight, fellas? I'm doing uh, okay. I'm feeling a little bit like Michael Jordan. Game 5, Utah, 1997. Flu game game here. Uh, I'm a little under under the weather. You might hear my voice crack, but I'm gonna I'm gonna power through and deliver an amazing performance. The, Not like intern P. The shitty thing about Scott and his flu game reference there is that he telegraphed it before we started recording, and I knew he was gonna say something stupid like that. So you you have a, a little bit of a the sniffles. You don't have the flu. You're not playing in an NBA game. Yeah, I'm just giving the listeners a heads up. All right, sounds good. How are you, intern P? I'm pretty good. I'm basically the bad boy Pistons tonight. I'm going to beat Jordan over here in this segment, Yeah, this show today. I'm excited to talk some World Cup, though. Uh, I've been watching it. I really like it. I don't love soccer, but the World Cup's uh, very interesting. I like it. Have you been, yeah, have you been using that Wikipedia membership to, like, uh, yeah, I actually the, rule, uh, the rules of I, global football? I've been paying a lot for Wikipedia. They charge me like yeah. twenty bucks a month. It's crazy. I was gonna ask, do you so weird. <laughs> so it's so weird. He's on recurring donations. He thought he had. Yeah. To, he thought he had to click that donate button to use the site. Uh, we did learn, Sasha. Before before we get going, we did learn before we started recording live that due to Tom Brady's comeback, intern P cannot pay rent for the month of December. So uh, Sasha's not thrilled about that. Congratulations to me. <laughs> All right. So as promised, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot of American football on this show, but we want to get into the uh, the greater game, the global football or soccer, as they call it in the U.S. Uh, World Cup's going on. We brought in our World Cup aficionado, also Scott's brother-in-law, Seth Yonker, uh, to to join us tonight. Seth, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I guess real, we'll, we'll start family with- affair here. <laughs> yeah. Jay Miz is the only non-relative in the room and he's not allowed to talk. Um so we're uh we're into the knockout stages of the World Cup and Cutter. Uh first things first, I guess. What do you think of the World Cup as a whole so far this year? Has it been entertaining? Uh has it been a, a good product on the field? Yeah, I mean, first off, let's just get one thing straight. It's soccer. We're Americans. Okay. That's it's fine. Definitely soccer. We'll go with soccer from we'll, here on out. We'll I appreciate I'm, that. Out of the shoot. Yeah, it's soccer. Um, I think the tournament's been fantastic, actually. I mean, the games have been exciting. Um, the group stage can, I mean, the past World Cups can be pretty boring, but as we saw with some of the shock exits from Germany, 
Belgium, Uruguay, and, and uh, South Korea and Japan going through. It was super exciting. Lots of drama. Um, and I've, I've loved it. It's been great so far. Hey, what Seth, do, you, do, you, do you think there is any reason behind so many surprise upsets in the, in the group stage, like whether it's weather, playing conditions, or anything like that? I think, I think that's, the fields have looked great. The playing conditions have actually looked pretty good. I think the time of year might have to do a little bit of it. Um, it was just a weird time. The World Cup's usually in the summer. Uh, they had to move it to the winter for the weather in Qatar. Uh, and there have been a lot of injuries to teams leading up because they've had to compress their league schedules leading up to the World Cup. So I think that might have something to do with it. Um, and some of the teams we saw go out, Belgium, they, they're getting old. Their stars are getting old. Germany um, just didn't look like they had their game together. Um, and Uruguay just cried a lot. So, uh, you know, there's various reasons, but I think that the time of year might have a big part of it. Yeah, and I, I think I, I want to follow up on that a little bit because I, everybody – I mean, pretty much for the most part, if you follow sports, you know that the World Cup is usually in the summer, and everybody knows that it moved to the winter this year. Most people know it's because of the heat in Qatar, but talk talk a little bit more about how that affects the overall soccer schedule and, and how that could have affected teams negatively. Yeah, uh, I mean, the European, what they call European soccer schedule, usually starts in late August, September. Um, and then goes all the way through April. So putting this tournament right in the November, December time puts it right in the middle of the European uh, league schedule, uh, which is already a time of year where they have a ton of games. In, in normal league play right now, they're playing probably like every four or five days, uh, which is more than normal for them. So they had to kind of move those games um, before and after the World Cup, which compressed their schedules even more. So these guys were playing every three to four days leading up to the World Cup. Um, and some teams saw some big time injuries leading up just because they're playing a lot. Um, I'm, sure so, the, I'm sure the U.S. would have won if it was in the summer. <laughs> you <laughs> never know. The U.S. Didn't, uh, didn't really have the injury bug going in, um, but France had it a bunch, and, and I know Germany had a few guys too. So yeah, it makes. I would sense. imagine it's a little bit similar to like the compressed schedules of the NBA during uh, coming out of COVID, and we oh, saw yeah, a lot absolutely. of injuries in the NBA. So. I could imagine how that would be a problem. But Scott mentioned it there. I want to transition a little bit into the USA. Obviously, got out of the group stage, um, beat Iran one nothing in their final game to to advance, and then lost to the Netherlands. What do you make of the overall performance of Team USA in this World Cup? I'm, I'm a huge U.S. soccer fan. Um, I was proud of the team. I thought they, they played pretty well, considering everything. Um, I feel like the players were bought in. You didn't see any like drama from the U.S. camp in terms of of players. Um, three players in particular: uh, McKinney, Musa, and Adams. The midfield for the U.S. like they were getting props all over the world for their play. They played fantastic. Um, I thought Coach Greg uh, Berhalter did an okay job. Um, I was a little puzzled by a few of the choices he had on the team, which I think kind of leads into my overall weakness that I saw on the team was at forward or striker, as they call it. Um, we didn't score any goals from our forwards. Um, I mean, that you know, you got to have the guy that puts it in the bucket. That's what is the quarterback for football team or, your, you know, your Steph Curry. We didn't have that. Um, and we left a few guys actually at home that didn't even make the team that I thought were better picks. Uh, one of them being uh, Ricardo Pepe, a young guy who scored 
two goals in the World Cup qualifier versus Mexico in a huge game for us. I mean, the guy does that and he doesn't even make the team. Um, so there were a few like questions there that I think hurt the U.S. But I mean, overall, I, I feel like they played well. Um, and my analogy that I put for the team is I felt like they were kind of like a puppy dog there. They're excited to be there, had a lot of energy, um, but they kind of lacked composure. Um, and you, you saw what the Netherlands did to us. They had basically like three or four shots the whole game, and they made three of them. We had a bunch, and we were just kind of all over the place. So the U- U.S. is the intern P of the World Cup. <laughs> you know, I think so. They have so much talent, <laughs> uh, but it's untapped right now. So I've got a future there. So how do we untap that talent, I guess, is my question. Intern B, your coaching session is after the show. Uh, (laughs) Oh, you're talking about the U.S.'s talent. I thought you wanted us to untap your talent. Uh, If you want to. That's actually a good question, Intern B. Go ahead with that, Seth. How do we untap that talent? You know, I think he just he needs time. Uh, give the guy a lawyer time, maybe a little little fewer bets during the week. You know, invest a little <laughs> smarter. Um, yeah. Okay, so from a U.S. soccer perspective, um, that's that's a lot of psychoanalysis of intern P. But uh, Berhalter, you mentioned him. Do you think he's the coach of the U.S. team come twenty twenty six? I think that's one of the key questions. I actually, I like him. Um, I think the players like him, which is important, which uh, wasn't necessarily the case in the past uh, with Klinsman and Arena, a few of the other old school coaches. Um, he relates well to the players, but I feel like a soccer term they use is, is tactics wise. I think like the Netherlands coach kind of crushed him um, in terms of tactics. I'm not sure if he's the guy that gets, a, gets us to becoming a clinical team. Um, so I think that's the big question. So players coach, but maybe lacking in the X's and O's. Yep. There you go. To use a a football term. Um, so obviously next world cup 2026 is in North America. The USA would love to have a good showing on, on home soil. Um, one of the things I kept hearing over and over watching these games was how young the U S team was. Uh, average age of 25, I think. Do you think that plays into their hands to be more prepared come next World Cup? Or is it just, hey, we're like we're always one step away, but but we can't get over that hump? I think it, it's a huge advantage. Um, I, to be very honest, would not be surprised to see the U.S. in 2026 um, as kind of in the top third of favorites for the World Cup. Uh, guys like I was saying, Musa, McKinney, Adams, Reyna, Kulisic, they will be in their primes in four years. Those guys will be coming back. Um, there's probably not – there's just a few positions, I think, that would need to be replaced. Um, but, again, I think the hardest part is is to figure out the selections for the team. The U.S. pool for players kind of aged, you know, 16 to, like, 21 right now that'll be, you know, in their early 20s, mid-20s in four years is actually really big. Um, there's a lot of players that are playing across the globe and in MLS that – that are growing right now. So I think just cultivating that talent um, and making sure that, you know, it makes it into the U S team is going to be a key. Hey Seth, this is, um, I guess maybe not a question for 2026, but as you think long-term, cause it feels like to me, it feels like that we're having the same conversation about U S soccer that we were 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, which is just like, how do you, how do you up level the talent? So when we're on the field with these countries that are much smaller than us, 
Um, it, it like it doesn't feel like they're they're more talented than us across the board. Is there anything drastic? See, there Michael Jordan flu game. I can't even talk. Is there anything drastic? Like what drastic step would have to happen to just completely like up level the U.S. from a talent standpoint in soccer? Um, you know, I think it's it's been talked about a little bit. It's it's the fact that you know soccer is a, a borderline kind of elitist sport like golf. Um, it's got a pretty, you know, big cost of entry to play as a kid in the U S to get on these club teams. It's super expensive. Um, and you know, if you had all these amazing players who play basketball and football right now, you know, playing soccer, we would probably be a favorite. I mean, it, it wouldn't even be close in terms of that athleticism. So it's convincing kids that, you know, are six, five and can have 40 inch verts to play soccer. Um, I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that the U S has. Yeah. It seems like, uh, the participation at a very young age is really good in soccer in the U S but it's getting kids to, to stick with that as their main sport as, as they move up through the ranks. Um, is, is that something you've seen or is there like a grassroots effort to get more kids to pick soccer as their main sport? Yeah, I think I think it's it's kind of it's increased. Um, I follow some like real deep cut stuff, like um, recruiting for soccer players and things like that. And every few weeks, I hear of a big, huge, you know, billionaire club like Manchester City, Barcelona, picking up yeah, you know, US fourteen year old, like signing them to their uh, like U sixteen team. It's happening more and more. There's tons of American kids playing for big clubs at youth levels in Europe now way more than before and that's happening every week so um those kids will come up through those huge clubs and have experience to play for the national team in the future so i think that's bright um it's really getting like the freakish athletes to to play soccer is is the challenge yeah let's just let's overhaul the u.s u.s education system and just make it like soccer clubs (laughs) i think the the good sign on what you're talking about with with U.S. youngsters going over to Europe is from what I've always heard over the years is their skill development in some of those countries that they do with soccer is so much greater and better than the U.S. To have players from our country in those systems will probably only help uh, us in the World Cup in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the players like uh, Musa, he plays for Valencia, McKinney uh, plays for Juventus, um, Adams plays for Leipzig in Germany. Like these are these are clubs that play Champions League soccer. Pulisic plays for Chelsea. These guys are getting the exposure that they need to get better. Um, so that'll only help more and more as the years go on. Awesome. Awesome. Let's switch gears for a second. Uh, the, the World Cup's going on right now. The U.S. is obviously out. So six teams are through to the quarterfinals. you got the Netherlands, Argentina, France, England, Croatia, and Brazil. Uh, with a couple of matches left between Morocco and Spain and Portugal and Switzerland. So ten teams left in the tournament. Who are a few of the, the, the major favorites left? Um, I mean, you've got Brazil is the favorite left, easily. Um, then probably from there, it's France, Argentina, England. And then I think from there, it's a, a bit of a toss-up. Um, you know, if, if I was betting on this right now, I was just looking at some of the odds, the current odds. Um, Netherlands is interesting. You saw how much they dismantled the U.S. They're a class team. I think they're... The plus fourteen hundred right now on odds. Uh, who's that? Who's that number twenty two for them that just like dominated the entire game? 
Dumfries, he is is not even like a big name in European football. He was like he's he was a surprise. And like that's not even a big name for the Netherlands came in, dismantled the US. So um there's a lot of lot of good players in that Dutch system. Yeah, and, and like you said, they seem to just tactically know what they wanted to do and all be on the same page and uh uh kind of showed their class against the US. Um one of the things I noticed um, you've obviously got your two South American powers. Um, Brazil and Argentina are through to the quarterfinals. But after that, it's pretty much a European party. Um, is that something that we can expect to see in? I mean, I know we've seen it in the past, but has it gotten even more so lately? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you've got Brazil and Argentina and South America um, in terms of you know North America. Mexico looked weak. They did not look good at all. Canada had some height, played terrible. Um, and then, you know, we had some fun surprises in the Asia region with Australia uh, and South Korea and Japan, but they're really just not that good. So it's it's pretty much a, a European party, and I think it's going to continue to be that way um, in the near future. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. It's If you look at other sports, there's always going to be one region of the world that – that really dominates in that sport. You look at basketball, you've got North America, obviously. Um, and hockey is probably more so North America, but you have your Scandinavian countries and all that, but it makes sense that there'd be one region that dominates. I, I want to get out of here on, on this conversation a little bit. We mentioned at the beginning um, about the world cup being in Qatar and having to play it in the winter because of that, just general thoughts on there's, there's a lot of question marks around, them being awarded the World Cup and why it would happen. Uh, just general thoughts around that. Um, I mean, it's fairly well known at this point that it was a, a horribly corrupt process and there are lots of bribes thrown around. And they're, you know, Qatar honestly has no, no business hosting this tournament. Um, and there's been a lot of drama about, you know, geopolitical things. And the thing that made me the most upset was them pulling beer out of the stadiums two days before the World Cup started. That is absolutely ridiculous. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll play nice, tell everybody we'll just let, you know, everybody do their thing, and then right before we're going to, we'll do exactly what we want and pull the beer out and tell people you can't wear rainbow t-shirts or whatever. Um, I mean, besides that, they've done a pretty good job hosting it. Uh, the stadiums have been nice. The pitch, the actual fields that have been pristine. Uh, which is a huge deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, they shouldn't host it. And I don't think going forward, any nation should have to build eight stadiums just to host it. It doesn't make sense sustainability-wise. Yeah. Essentially, correct me if I'm wrong, but they basically had to build the entire infrastructure of a city just to host this event. Yeah, they spent, uh, they're saying $20 billion on, on stadiums and around like more than 100 because they built a whole rail system and airport also. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm excited for 2026 when it comes to the U S not building any stadiums, people are going to feel comfortable coming to the U S. Um, it's going to be huge in 2026. I'm looking forward to going to multiple games wherever I get tickets. Um, it's going to be a massive event that we should all be looking forward to. U S world cup should be really fun. Um, uh, I think that's going to be exciting. We'll probably have you back on in 2026. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. the millions of listeners uh, in four years, you guys. Yeah, in four years. We already have a lot of listeners, but um, there's going to be more in 2026. 
Yeah, it, you you're gonna have to really brush up and get ready for your appearance uh, that time around. Uh, anything else you want to add, Seth, about the World Cup or soccer in general uh, before we move on to the next segment? No, I just encourage everyone to uh, support their local MLS team. I'm a huge fan of Major League Soccer. It's good soccer. It's it's not you know European, but it's fun. Uh, and also, um, just throwing it out there, I think France is going to win the whole thing. That's my pick. Okay, there you go. The, hey, the French. hey, Seth. Seth just had a little baby girl. He's not sleeping much these days. So, um, Seth, thank you for joining us. We'll yeah. we'll get the uh, we'll get the Seth Yonker for uh, U.S. Soccer Federation CEO post up shortly after this podcast. Also, Seth, Kansas City is hosting World Cup games in 2026. So, yeah, I mean, the great state of Kansas, even though it's in Missouri. Yeah, definitely live pod from the games. Yeah. yeah. Last time we had a live pod, it went pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) We got four years to figure it out, Scott. Just put intern P on it. He'll figure it out. On the uh, that's going to do it for our soccer segment. We really appreciate Seth coming on, our soccer aficionado. I learned a lot about the World Cup, about what's going on. On the other side of the break, we're going to get into a little bit of uh, old faces, new places, see where people are traveling around the hot stove or on the coaching carousels. Stay with us. Having an event that needs amazing entertainment, Hi-Fi Productions is the way to go. They bring their mobile dueling pianos and provide a highly interactive and fun show that's perfect for fundraisers, corporate events, or any kind of party. Is somebody getting married soon? Hi-Fi also provides the best wedding DJ service around, winning Wedding Wire's Couples Choice Award four years in a row. They know how to pack a dance floor. Based in Wichita, Kansas, visit HiFiProductions.net to book your unforgettable event. Welcome back into BroStorm Sports. We had a good little soccer segment uh, just then, and now we're going to get into some Old faces, new places. But first, I'm pretty sure Scott just had some cough medicine or sipping on some scissorp or something. But we wanted to address <laughs> a very important question. A few weeks ago, Seth Bushka was on the pod as the uh, third Bushka brother uh, in our live episode over Thanksgiving weekend. We just had Seth Yonker on our World Cup aficionado. They're both uncles to Scott's children. Scott. Who was your children's favorite uncle, Seth? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, I don't think Seth Yonker cares, but Seth Bush is very sensitive about this topic. Um, I don't. I'm not comfortable answering this by myself. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull my three ki- three kids. Majority wins. I'll get back to the the public next week. I think it's going to be close, two to one, one way or the other. It's a good tease. It's a good tease. I got my money is on. Uh, Jet probably doesn't care, and the other two will split the vote, so it's going to be a tie. Uh, interesting. Okay. Well, we'll report back. All right. Sounds good. Jet, Jet's a frat dog, though. He'll probably have an opinion. <laughs> All right. He's my guy. We're going to uh, get into a little uh, little college football and MLB hot stove. We've got two things going on right now, the college football coaching carousel, and players are signing new deals in the MLB, so – I just want to discuss some of these moves, but the way we're going to take this, I'm going to name a name and I'm going to have Scott or intern Pete tell me where they currently reside, where they, uh, where they currently play baseball or coach football. 
Is this is this just limited to um, MLB and college football, or we do we we veering outside that at all? We'll see where it goes. All right, but those are the two main ones that are going on right now. All right, I haven't been following baseball because it's you know the winner, and no one follows baseball even when they're playing. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Whoa. All right. All right. Let's get into it. All right. Then I'm just going to start off with a baseball one. Jacob DeGrom. Scott, you're on the hot seat. Literally no idea. I'm going to say the Mets. Uh, he That's where he came from, but he's no longer there. Intern P, you know? I do know, but I don't know. Uh, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> no, the Phillies, the Phillies, the Phillies. No, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh no, the the Rangers, the Rangers. That I'm wearing the hat. I'm wearing yes. the Rangers hat right now. Jacob Degrom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys host the sports yeah, yeah. podcast. Jacob Degrom signed with the Texas Rangers, five year deal, worth a lot of. money. I really did blink there. Too much money. All right, so if we're going from Jacob Degrom, well, first of all, thoughts on the Rangers signing Jacob Degrom, intern P. They're going to be a force to reckon with. Maybe not this year, but probably next year. Um, they have a lot of money in their players right now, and they have some good young talent. So yeah, their division's pretty weak, too. Yeah, I think it's just another case of the Rangers signing a big money player and probably still not being good. All right, I got another pitcher for you guys. I'll let you go first this time, P. Okay, all right. Justin Verlander. He no, went to I the want, Mets. Oh, oh. <laughs> I wanted that one. I I knew that one. Mm, you would know that. Went one. to the Mets to replace Jacob Degrom. Mm, that was a layup. I agree. <laughs> I should have given it to you. Flu game. Yeah, that's a good point. But Verlander signed a two-year deal. He's he's forty, I think. Um, so that'll be interesting. He signed like an eighty-four million dollar deal. Um, he'll be pitching for the Mets next year. He's not as good as Jacob Degrom, although he did win the Cy Young this year, and he maybe has been a little bit less injury prone than DeGrom. So the Mets will look to continue their winning ways. Um, all right. This is going to be a tough one. Clayton Kershaw. I just read an article that said that Clayton Kershaw was at peace with his career, satisfied with where he's at. He's staying with the Dodgers in LA. Shut your mouth, P. I, I was just going to say he took a discount. He only, It's only $20 million for a year. He signed a one-year deal. I thought I could throw yeah. you guys off since he didn't switch teams. One of you would, you know, get all excited and think he was going to the Kansas City Royals. But it didn't work out that way. All right, I got one more Dodger for you guys. Trey Turner. I do know this one, Scott, but I'll give you a chance. You know what? I know it too, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to go? Yeah. Hey, he's yeah, on I the do. Phillies. He's on the Phillies now. He's meeting up with his old teammate, Bryce Harper. They're going to be a force to reckon with as well. Yeah, he signed an 11-year, $300 million deal with the Phillies. So the Phillies apparently have a lot of money to throw around because they're always signing people to $300 million plus dollar deals. All right. Let's, uh, let's move into some college football. Scott Satterfield. Who? Scott Satterfield. Is that a is that a coach or a player? That's a coach. It's a college football coach. I'll even give you a hint. Leaving the University of Louisville. You could probably give me ten guesses. He's going to Auburn. Nope. I don't th- this segment's I, I'm I'm about to boycott this segment if you're giving names like Scott Satterfield. <laughs> well, 
he'll be replacing Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, who's joining the Big 12 in the upcoming years. So, yeah. Scott Satterfield, congratulations. All right. All right. Well, where's Luke Fickle going then, since he's replacing Luke Fickle? Wisconsin. He literally just said he was going to the Big 12. No, Luke Fickle's going to the Badgers. He's going to Wisconsin. That is correct. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Here, this is. I just want to remind the listeners. I'm. I'm. I'm working with the flu here. This is the third quarter. My energy's waning. Is the I'll be back for the fourth? Is Wisconsin an upgrade from the Cincinnati job? I mean, money wise, yeah, yeah. It's. I think it's a lot. Bigger. Why, of course, Scott. Cincinnati's going to the Big Twelve. I mean, there's there is so fine. Cincinnati's going to the Big Twelve. There's slowly, really, only two conferences that matter in football, right? The SEC and the Big Ten. Um, and Wisconsin, I mean, I would say as far as Big Ten program goes, is a fo- is a top five program in that con like conference in terms of like good university. There's they're gonna re- they're gonna give funds to the football program. You can be good year in year out. Uh, if you get the right coach, so that like yeah. that to me is a no brainer. Yeah, well, the other thing is Wisconsin's like the only good team in the Big Ten West. All the power, so you can easily be the best team in your division right away. But here's another team in the Big Ten West that, and I think, I think they actually hired their coach, um, and. They, it's, I've said it many times, but yeah, they hired, so where's Matt Rule going? Nebraska. There you go. That leads me into my next point. Nebraska is the worst job in college football. In terms of. Why? Just because you have to go 10 and 2 to even like keep your job for a year? In terms of what the expectations are compared to what the program actually is, there's a bigger gap at Nebraska than any other job in college football. And if Matt Rule can't be successful at Nebraska, then it's clearly a Nebraska problem, not a a coaching problem. Like, Scott Frost was really good before he went to Nebraska. Matt Rule was great at Baylor. So there's there's some kind of disconnect in that program between what they expect to happen and what actually happens. Yeah, so I, um, I agree with you. I think it's a great point. It brings up an interesting question, which I'm curious your guys' take on. What has changed so much about the landscape of college football that 30 years ago, that would have been one of the best jobs, a top five job in the country. And now like they are, they cannot get enough good players to compete. It's a really good question. I think uh, leaving, leaving the big 12 actually hurt them, even though the big 10 is a better conference. Uh, They were able to recruit Texas when they're in the big 12 and use that as their footprint. And now they've got to go like if, if they want to recruit against the other big 10 schools, they've got to go North, but they're not really a brand in big 10 country. So is like a kid from Ohio going to go to Nebraska over Ohio state? No, same with Michigan. Um, and so they, they can't recruit that part of the country and there's no players in Nebraska. So you have to have a play, you have to have a footprint somewhere else to be able to recruit. But You'd like to think they'd be able to figure that out, but I think it's been so long since they were good that there's just not really a lot to sell to recruits, other than the fact that somehow they've still sold out every game since like 1995. 
Yeah. Do you think it has anything to do with how much this, the style of play has changed in the game? Because, like, I don't know, Tom Osborne option football. Like, you could recruit five big-ass corn-fed white dudes from Nebraska and Kansas, right? And still be good. Now it's like you got to have speed on the edges, and they're they're clearly not getting those. To your point, like they're not getting guys out of Ohio, Michigan, yeah. et cetera, like they used to get out of Texas. And athletes in the trenches, uh, like not just big guys in the trenches, but actual athletes that you get out of Alabama, Louisiana, Florida, and they have no footprint down there. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it seems like there'd be like more of a reason. But I don't think leaving the Big 12 helped them. And then there's there's got to be more missteps other than that. Uh, there's, I believe, uh, I don't remember who the coach was, but there was one coach that was rumored in the Nebraska. I think Lance Leipold out of KU was rumored in the Nebraska job. And he said he would not touch a job with a 10-foot pole unless he knew for sure that the AD was not going to be involved at all, which tells you something right there. Yeah. Um, so interesting to say the least. All right. I got one more for you guys. Where is he? Actually, I got two more. We'll, we'll do this one first. Deion Sanders. University of Colorado. There you go. Nice. This is, so go. I, 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 a, um, think that like Dion did a way better job at Jackson state than, than I think almost anyone thought he would do B I like, I just, I like, the the fit in Colorado with him because it, it's a you know I feel like it's a place where he's going to be able to recruit some talent and yeah. and make them better quickly. I I am curious. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen any of his uh, introductory press conferences, but he basically he basically like at his first press conference came out and said, "I'm bringing my luggage with me," and some of the positions are already taken off. And then he he like announced his son, and he was like, "Here's your quarterback next year." Like I, I immediately listen to it, and if I'm like I'm the current players, everyone's pissed. Like I'm just curious what you all think about that. Yeah, it's interesting. I I think the I have a couple of thoughts on the Dion leaving thing. I think like he can do whatever he wants. It doesn't really seem to align with what his stated goals were, which is like I want to elevate HBCUs. I want to have an impact on HBCUs. Like if if Dion Sanders was like every other college football coach, where his goal is just to be the top college football coach that he can be, then this would be an obvious move and it would make sense as he was offered it, he would take it. Um, And maybe he got into Jackson state to like create an impact there and help HBCUs. But once he got going, he realized, Hey, I actually kind of like coaching college football. I want to move up the ranks and do that in terms of like what you're asking about. um, I think Dion's just like, incessantly genuine like he he says what he thinks and he's not going to sugarcoat it for people and that's why he said that and i actually think people gravitate to to that so i don't think it's going to be a major problem with this current players fair i mean i think they're all i think they're all going to leave i mean they know they aren't very good i mean i don't know what the record was last year i'm trying to find it but i'm sure it wasn't very good so i think they're bringing in that travis hunter kid he's like the number one recruit from last year he's stolen from florida state so I just think he's going to bring in these dogs. Yeah, but there's going to be plenty of these guys. There's going to be, and, and last thought on this, and I want to get to the last one and get out of the segment, but there's going to be plenty of 
there's plenty of Jackson State players who aren't good enough to play in the Pac-12. That's why they're at Jackson State. Of course, he got right. some guys while he was there, and he can bring some. But if he thinks he's just going to move his Jackson State roster to Colorado, that's not going to work. Agree. Colorado Colorado went 1-11 this year. Yeah, so well, Colorado sucks. I don't think there's... Go ahead. No, I was just saying there's a bunch of talent that want to go play for Dion, um, and everyone can transfer it anytime they want. So all those Bamities that aren't playing, they're going to go to Colorado. Yeah. And they're yeah. going to play their best under him because I think he's just that kind of coach, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think he is fine with a lot of turnover on the roster. You're, Thank you. you're right about that. Good job, intern B. All right, last one. Uh, where are they now? <laughs> I don't I don't I don't like when you guys do that. I don't like that. Baker Mayfield. In a bar in Oklahoma? You can only assume so. P have you have you have you seen him at any of the local watering holes you stab you uh, frequent? Unfortunately, he's not in Wichita, Kansas, at Emerson, so I have not seen him. Uh, maybe I'll try to get him on Snapchat, <laughs> see his stories. Uh, I'm sure he's all over the place right now. I have it on good authority that he was watching the Cowboys game with Ed Too Tall Jones at Rock and Bruce Casino in Bremen, Oklahoma. We'll leave it there. <laughs> hey, so, hey, Sasha. Some people do think that Baker Mayfield could be on a plane to Santa Clara, California to join the 49ers after Jimmy G's injury yesterday. Is that, you got any authority on that? How about this? I'll give you some more thoughts on that on the other side of the break. (laughs) Stay with us. Welcome back into BroStorm Sports. On the front side of the break, Scott asked me if I thought Baker Mayfield was boarding a plane to Santa Clara. Answer, absolutely not. Let's get into best bets. Wait, Good analysis you, there. Yeah. That was great. You that were, was great. I think, I think you living with intern P is making you more like him by the day. You don't – so just I – know, I know you don't want to debate it for four minutes, no, but you, do, do you think Brock Purdy is going to take them to the promised land, or, or do you think it's at least worth exploring – quarterback options for the 49ers here's here's a question is baker mayfield actually better than josh johnson intern piece shaking his head no no they signed josh johnson to be brock purdy's backup today and i mean he's not you're right and so that's the problem is like baker's just i mean he got ample opportunity with the panthers and he's looked really bad and i don't think you signed baker to be your backup so the only way you sign Baker is if you think he's an upgrade or an improvement. And I don't see where he is right now. Yeah. All right. Fair. I, I agree. Baker Mayfield's in a bar in Oklahoma. Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. Now he's starting for the 49ers. If you saw Baker Mayfield and Ed Tutal Jones in a bar in Oklahoma together, and you could only ask for one autograph, whose autograph would you ask for? <laughs> Uh, Ed Two Tall Jones. Me too. I know Inter P would answer no. differently. No, Baker. Get your Wikipedia subscription out and look up Ed Two Tall Jones before you answer that. Well, I yeah. would guess he's tall. If I would have to, yeah, if I'd have to take an educated guess Fair without enough. Wikipedia. All right, let's get into best bets. All right, I am happy to report that the tides have turned. Of all the picks we published last week, including Jay Miz's picks. I'm the only one that went undefeated. Um, I was 2-0. and I went to Old Trusty. I went to the Denver Broncos. Took the Broncos and Ravens under 38. 
They scored a total of 19 points. The Broncos are now 10 and one against the under. We'll get to it later, but they're playing the Chiefs this week, so that could get interesting. I also took over 46 and a half Niners Dolphins. Really worried about that when Jimmy G went out, but somehow it made it over. So two and zero for me. That brings me to eight, eleven, and one on the year. Still not very good. Sasha, you were one and one. You stole my my Lions pick. You had minus one versus Jacksonville. They covered by like fifty. Um, <laughs> I liked I liked Jameis's comment about the girl that was playing quarterback for the Jaguars who got hurt um, and then came back. Anyways, you also had the Jets covering three against Minnesota. Even though they had several opportunities to cover, they did not. They lost by five. Sasha, that's one and one. Brings you to 12 and eight on the year. Anything to say for yourself? 60% ain't bad. Also, have not picked an over-under all year. Going straight lines for that 60 you act that's you, you act like that makes you hot shit or something. Like, that's a badge <laughs> of honor. What's wrong with picking over-unders? It's just, they're the, like... The the odds are the same. Technically, yes, the odds are the same, but it feels like a uh, like a Vegas trick, like a card trick. Mm-hmm. They're all true. I don't even know. They, they you sound money. you sound like an old grandpa in like a nursing home or something. I I have been called an old soul before. <laughs> all right, intern P, you were one and one this week. You took the over on the Packers Bears game. That game went over. Um, and then you took Cleveland or the Texans to cover seven against Cleveland. They did not. I feel really bad for you here because the way that that game was played, they actually should have scored, but get this Deshaun Watson played terribly. He threw for like 140 yards in an interception, the Browns defense, special teams and a punt return. Um, or wait, it was three. It was a punt return. Uh, INT for a return, and then what was the other one? Like a blocked field, blocked punt, or something. Yeah, I think it was a block. I think it was a block kick. So that's twenty-one points not scored by the Browns' offense. Anyways, the Texans didn't cover. So you're one and one, brings you to ten, eight, and two. You're still only one game technically, and tied in the loss column with Sasha. I like that. I'm having a big week as I normally do. I always say it. As long as I beat you guys, I don't care. Yeah. All right. Jay Miz, not here to speak for himself, but he was 0-2. Rough week for Jay Miz. He had the he had the Seahawks covering six and a half against the Rams. They won, but they only won by four. And then he had the Chargers covering two and a half against Las Vegas. I like that pick. I thought it was crazy that the Chargers weren't favored, um, but they lost by seven. So Jay Miz, 0-2. Um He's now one and three on the season. We might need to look for a new social media personality if the, those picks continue up. So, um, anyways, give him shit. Make some comments on Instagram. He'll hear it. It was a uh, it was a rough week for AFC wildcard contenders. Very rough week, specifically ones that were trying to challenge the Patriots in the wildcard race. Jets lost. Chargers lost, and that's it. Yeah, I know. If you're if you were subtly jabbing at me that I should be worried about that Patriots bet. I am. The Patriots also lost. And also the Raiders might be back in it. Just saying. Five and seven. They could win out to get to ten and seven. They're not dead yet. They they play the Chiefs again. So Yeah. 
Well, the Chiefs pissed down their leg against the Bengals. Which, hey, so I know best bets, we're going to get into picks, but maybe before we do, we talked about several big games last week. You all have any any thoughts on on all the big games that happened in the NFL this week? I'll take a stab at that Chiefs-Bengals game. Um, I mean, we could probably do a whole segment on that Chiefs-Bengals game, but I think the the last play of the game was a microcosm a little bit of what the Bengals have and what the Chiefs don't, which is they they almost sacked Joe Burrow, but didn't. He got it off in time, and T. Higgins made a catch that the Chiefs don't really have a guy who could make. And, and the, it seemed like the Chiefs had to get their receivers open, and the Bengals were just able to throw it to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, whether they were open or not, and they were going to catch it every time. Like they they have two – and I know the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey, but – his game is predicated upon like actually getting open and those guys just make contested catches left and right. And it's a big advantage for the Bengals in a game like that. Yeah. I think you're spot on. Do you think that at this point there's any, like, do you think the chiefs not being able to beat the Bengals is a thing? Say we get to the playoffs in January or February. Like it's a mental block at this point. Uh, I don't know. Cause they've, they've been losing to the bills in the regular season too and they've still beat them in the playoffs the last couple of years. Um, and I mean, essentially Andy Reed probably should have gone for it with Mahomes on fourth and five, tried to maintain possession of the ball. Cause even if Budker makes that field goal from 55 yards, you're still relinquishing possession back over to Joe Burrow with a tie game. Um, so it's a little bit late game situation stuff. It's not like the Bengals have been blowing the chiefs out. But you have to ask yourself, they beat them three times in a calendar year. They're not losing to anyone else. So I, I would say the Bengals feel like they have the upper hand for sure. Yeah, I think it's just not, you mentioned the receivers. It's not a great matchup for what the Chiefs try to do on defense. Yeah, the I mean, also, Bucker not being that good of a kicker anymore is kind of becoming an issue. I would agree with that. Um, the only other one maybe worth talking about is that Niners Dolphins game and more from the standpoint, we already talked about the Niners a little bit with um, Jimmy G going out and Brock Purdy stepping in. I'm more interested from the Dolphins side. We talked about what was going to happen when um, a physical defense challenged him and put some pressure on him. And, and they didn't look like the, you know, the 1999 um, Rams. So I don't know. It was, it was an interesting I'm curious to see if the Niners did something to the Dolphins that the rest of the AFC is going to be able to learn from. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, does the AFC have a team as physical as the Niners? Probably not. The Bills might be the closest thing, but there's some question around Von Miller's status for the remainder of the year. The Dolphins also have some injuries on the offensive line. So like, if you're asking me, are the Dolphins still a contender in the AFC? The answer is yes. Are they one of the top three contenders? Probably not. I would say that's the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs for sure. What do you think, P? I don't have anything to say about um, – I don't really want to talk about the Chiefs. Just um, that's really all I cared about. It's the only game I really watched. Um, I mean, I watched them all, but I like the Bengals. Um, I don't want to tell you guys that, but I do like the Bengals. And I'm announcing He's officially a, a bandwagon Bengals fan, which also – You're a dumbass, P. Why? Why would you like the Bengals? I like Jamar Chase, and I like Joe Burrow, dude. They're – they're a good duo. Dude, they're so they're so radical. Lit. Lit, lit yeah. Joe Shiesty, bro. <laughs> Joe so lit. Burr. 
Joe. Whatever. True. I just had to. T- I just had to tell you guys that. All right, Pete. Since you're pissing us off, what are your picks this week? <laughs> yeah, give us your shitty picks. <sighs> so you can go zero two. I love this. I love that you guys are against me right now. I just think it's just gonna motivate me so much. The players hey, know. Hey, remember that time when me and Sasha collectively beat you in like ten straight beer pong games in the basement? Funny thing you say that. I don't. So. <laughs> I believe that you don't remember it. I also beat you in ping pong a couple of times, which is how I know you don't remember it. Yeah, I've never lost in ping pong. Anyway, all right, on to my picks. You guys are haters. It's fine. So I'm going to double dip here and go back to the Houston Texans um, against my judgment. The line is plus 17 against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, The Texans really didn't look terrible last week. Um, They did, but they didn't. And then I think this is a letdown game from the Cowboys. I mean, they just absolutely stomped that last week against the Colts. I just think they're going to come out. They're not going to be on their A game. They might mess around, maybe win by a field goal, honestly. I'm, I'm calling my shot. And then my next game, I'm going to pick an over. Minnesota and Detroit, over 53 and a half. And I'm just doing it because I love points. I love seeing points. That's my only analysis on that game is points are fun. Wait, sorry, what was that one again? Uh, Minnesota, Detroit, over 53 and a half. All right. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Over is usually not bad with Detroit. All right. I've got I've got a couple picks. You mind if I go before you, Scott, or do you want to jump in so I don't steal your stuff? Be my guest, little bro. All right. So I had... Whoa. I had hypothesis. <laughs> he's a little, he's I had, a little bro him. <laughs> it's wild. I had a hypothesis that the Chiefs would have a bounce-back game here, um, and they're nine-point favorites against the Broncos, and they usually like to blow the doors off of people after they lose, but that's not what I'm going to do here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the seal. Uh-oh. I'm going to go with the Chiefs-Broncos overs. Over 43. Ding, 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 ding. Milestone moment on Bro Storm Sports. First ever over. Over-in takes an over. Yeah. And you well, clearly, as since you just called me little bro, I'm younger than you. Um, <laughs> but uh, Chiefs over under uh, 43, Chiefs over 43 against the Broncos. I know Scott's been taking the Broncos unders all year long, says it's the safest bet in the world. I think Vegas is adjusting to that, so it's probably a little bit lower than it would be. Chiefs put up at least 30 points in this game. I can't imagine that they don't give up at least 13 to the Broncos. So there's your 43 right there. Chiefs 31, Broncos 13, over 43. That gets you to 44. My second pick is a trap line situation, but this time I'm not going to eat the cheese. You look at the Vikings and the Lions game, and you think, why are the Lions favored to beat the Vikings? The Vikings are 10 and 2. Lions at home are minus 1. But the Vikings should have lost to the Jets last week at home. The Lions play way better at home than anywhere else. Just boat raced Jacksonville at home. I went to this well last week. I'm going with the Lions minus one over the Vikings. Smell the fish. I don't mind that one. I don't love the Broncos over, though. Um, Have you seen them play football? Have you seen Russell Wilson throw the football? Nicole Hartman will still not be playing. But Sky Moore... And Kadarius Patrick Tony, Sertain, if he plays, Patrick Sertain's going to lock him up. You know, uh, you know, I was 
The interesting thing is I was in the break kind of trying to talk myself into that over, talking it out with Sasha. And when I heard you say the score, 31-13, I'm like, I feel like that's going under. Yeah, going the other way. it's a valid point. Like, it's going to be hard to score 31 against the Broncos, and the Broncos never score more than 13. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. exactly. And that gets you one point over. No, I'm not. I would like to take – I mean, the, the Broncos under is my old trusty. I would like to take it, but I'm not. Um, are we good? Is it my turn to pick? Yeah, it's your turn. Oh, God, I'm getting an echo here. I blame it on P. Fair. I am the producer and intern, so. Um. All right. So I'm – first game I'm going to is the Seahawks-Panthers – I've gone back to the Seahawks well a lot this year, and I'm not quite sure why. But uh, I'm going with the Seahawks, who are favored by three and a half, to uh, cover that against the Panthers at home in Seattle. Seahawks usually play well. Panthers are a dead team. They just cut Baker Mayfield, which only makes them slightly less dead. Um, Seahawks are also still in a dogfight for the NFC West, and I think the – San Francisco losing Jimmy G only puts them more in a position to think they can go win that division. So I'm taking Seahawks to cover three and a half against the Panthers. Okay. Did you hear about the Kenneth Walker injury? Dude, he's a running back in the NFL. They got DJ Dallas just bowling people over. I'm not worried about it. Who? DJ Dallas. You don't know DJ Dallas? How do you guys know DJ Dallas? I think that's his porn name. Fantasy football, bro. That might be... That might be why you're two and ten in our fantasy football league because you don't know who DJ Dallas is. You just seem out of the leagues. I'm like five and seven in the other one. That's crazy. Hey, quick update: intern P still in last place in our fantasy league. Um, okay, my second pick. I I do like the Chiefs Broncos under, but I'm not gonna take it. I'm a I'm gonna go with intern P's favorite team, the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals are at home against the Browns. Deshaun Watson looked terrible. He's got a lot of karma coming his way. The Browns beat up on the Bengals last time. I think the Bengals are are ready to shred. They're favored by six. I've got them winning by at least a touchdown. Um, so I'm going to take the Bengals to cover six against the Browns at home. Yeah. I like that Bengals pick. Because um, the Bengals are playing good now, and they seem to be peaking, and the Browns are awful. They got lucky to get, like like you said, three non-offensive touchdowns against Houston. Um, so, to recap, P has the Texans plus 17, Minnesota-Detroit over 53-and-a-half. I've got the Chiefs-Broncos over 43 and the Lions minus one. Scott has the Seahawks minus three-and-a-half and the Bengals minus six. You guys got any other instant analysis for me before I end this podcast? Don't forget to do your Christmas shopping for all of your children, if anyone has it. Scott, what are you, Scott, what are you getting me? <laughs> That's your one piece of advice. I opened the floor for you, and it's, if you have children, you should buy them Christmas presents. I'm not getting you shit, intern P. You're not. <laughs> you should talk to your landlord, who's also on the call. No, nah, it's all right. I didn't draw his name. Sorry. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Bro Storm Sports. If you listen this far, you like something you heard, give us a five-star rating. Uh, follow us on TikTok, Instagram. we got some good stuff going on over there with J-Miz. Join the masses and make sure to subscribe. Until next time, we'll see you later. 